Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We pray for your blessing upon this word. That, Lord, that you would uh, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. For you, the te- you are the teacher. And um, that you would inspire us to live closer and to walk uh, in accordance with your ways so that your blessings would flow through us and we could be a good reflection to those around us and your grace is sufficient for us your strength is perfected in our weakness when we come short we just thank you lord that we can um, confess those things to you and this move forward and we pray that each day we're growing a little bit closer to you and i pray this morning this word would be uh, in line with that in jesus name amen amen you know, we've been, um, or I, I've felt inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak about fruit uh, in in our lives, and I've talked on this topic before. You know, about fruit and fruitfulness, and its relationship to where, if we're obedient to the Lord, that we can have uh, confidence that He said in John's Gospel that if we uh, have His Word abiding in us and we're abiding with him that we can ask what we desire and it will be done for us and by this by this um, relationship that we're cultivating with the lord that we could bear much fruit and by that it says that we give god glory because when we pray we're in line with his word we're in tune with the will of god and his will is getting done through us and our joy is being fulfilled because we're in that we're in that sap, that flow of God's life-giving um, sap that's running through us, and we're um, part of His process. We're part of seeing what God wants done. You know, it's like the story of them, you know, talking, and I need a bike, and right there, you know, Dwayne is right there. You know, to be in that flow of what God is doing is an exciting thing. And um, if we're connected to the Lord. You know, those things are happening in our lives. And uh, it's the evidence of a living relationship with the Lord. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now. A lot of craziness, you know, like what Pastor Tyler was saying. And um, even during the worship, Josh was addressing that, you know, there's a lot of things competing for our interests. They're trying to rattle us and get us off of our foundation. But it says in the foundation of the kingdom will not be shaken. And that's what we need to do. We need to constantly be uh, making sure that that foundation is secure. And we know it is in Christ. But are we focused upon those things that are eternal? And, um, you know, if you ever want to... And I've said this before, but if you ever want to know what God's assessment of his church is, to look at the first uh, chapters in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, and it gives you a good indicator of what God's looking for. Um, he, you know, a lot of times we can just say, well, it's all under God's grace, and we just go about our business, and it's all good. But there's things that the Lord is looking for. He's a fruit inspector, and he's looking for right fruit. He's looking for sweet fruit. He's looking for fruit that is useful uh, in his kingdom. And a good way to uh, make sure that we're on track with what he's doing in our lives is, is to go through the book of Revelation, the chapters 2 and 3. And it talks to the seven churches in Asia. You know, we're going through the book of Acts right now, and where Paul is ministering to these churches in a circuit. And, you know, it's an, it's an interesting uh, look or view 
into church history as well as church future. It's an overview of the church. The first one in there is the apostolic church. Um, the first one is the angel uh, to the church of Ephesus and write these words. So I want to just go there right now as a, you know, a beginning of this message this morning. So thank you, Lord. Um, in Revelation chapter 2, it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, who I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to him to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So each one of these um, churches, the seven churches, there is uh, an assessment. And two of them have no rebuke. Uh, the next church, the persecuted church, the church at Smyrna, and the church of Philadelphia have no rebuke. But there's uh, commendations, there's rebuke, and these things I want you to change. And it also says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So this is historically a letter that was written to these physical churches in Asia Minor. But it is also a pattern of what the Lord is looking for in each one of our lives. And it also is a pattern of the church age. If you, you go through it, the apostolic, the persecuted church, the more compromising church, or the church in, in a state were united, then the medieval church, and then the uh, professing church, and then the missionary church, and then the Laodicean church, which is kind of um, the, the, the backslidden or kind of lukewarm church. But here you would think the first church, the apostolic church, the rebuke is a strong rebuke from the Lord. And he says that they had the ability to discern false apostles. They had the ability to discern good doctrine. But the thing where the Lord was disappointed with this church was the fact that they had left their first love. That they had, their heart had gone cold. You know, and the thing about it is, you know, when we walk with the Lord, there's times where, you know, we are very excited about our walk with the Lord, and then there's resistance that comes against us. And if we don't address it properly, we could have a tendency where our heart might go cold. And we might recess a little bit back in our walk with the Lord. And the Lord is saying, be guarded on that. Don't allow that to happen. You know, we know that in the book of Matthew, it also says that, it says, because of iniquity, because of lawlessness, the love of many would grow cold. Because we look out there and it says, well, everybody's doing this. Or you extend love to somebody and it doesn't return or whatever. Things go, go south because not everybody's playing by the rules. And it could have a tendency to make our, our love temperatures drop a little bit. And we have to be guarded on that because it's very important to the Lord. This is the first uh, fruit that he's looking for. It's the first one on the list when we go to Galatians 5. 
you know, the first one is love, and the next is joy and peace, and then it goes down the list from there. But the number one thing that God is looking for, and the, the, the commodity that is the most precious in his kingdom is love. Because love, God is love, and love never fails. You know, whether you have all the, all the gifts within, contained within the scriptures, but if you have not love, you're a, a clanging a brass and a sounding cymbal. You're nothing. So it has to be based upon the love. And the love is the reflection upon, just like Pastor Tosh, what you said, it's based on God. He says, for God so loved the world. His motivation was love, that he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for us. That that is God's motivation for us. Therefore, if we're, you know, we're walking in the image of Christ, if we're exuding the fruit of the Spirit, our motivation should be, Lord, I do this because I love you. Lord, I do this because I love people, because you love people. You know, and the thing is, that's challenging, you know, because um, not everybody is like us. You know, and, and that's the challenge right there for us to love people that are not like us. That is the challenge right there. You know, it's not like that's not part of my group. And God even throws it into a higher order there. If we go to Luke 6 and um, where he's, you know, in, in, in let me just refer back to John, uh, John's gospel where he says, if you love me, do those things that I've commanded you to do. We can all say that we love the Lord, but real love shows itself in deeds indeed you love me indeed so the things that we do the things that we don't do that are constrained because of the love of god really are the evidence of fruit about our life it's like i didn't do that because the love of christ it constrained me i did this because the love of christ compelled me that those should be the motives in our life amen yeah so you know, when you talk about this, it's such a deep topic. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about that we would, you know, I heard Pastor Tasha this morning saying that, and I was even, you know, I was like, man, how do you get that? You know, it says in Ephesians that we would get a revelation of God's love that surpasses knowledge. How do you get something like that? You know, that's something you need to just pray for. It's like, Lord, I don't know how that works. But I would like to have that. And I'm sure we can all go back to the days when we first got born again. And I remember, you know, I've always referenced this, that I was so overwhelmed with the love of God that you could go up to somebody that absolutely hated you and go up and try to tell them about the Lord because you just, that, that overwhelming sense of God's love is in you. And then it seems like over time it kind of fades a little. And unfortunately, I don't know how you kindle that to that heat again. But this is what the Lord says about this. Is, you know, this is the Beatitudes in Luke and a different view from Matthew's gospel. And uh, verse 27. So this is chapter 6, verse 27. But this is what the Lord Jesus is saying. It says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. It's like right off the top, it's like, whoa, you're, you're like, that's pretty heavy, man. You know, we see things going on in our political realm. And, you know, you're looking at these things and they're, they definitely seem to be enemies of, number one, our Constitution. Number two, enemies of our American way of life. Number three, enemies of the church and the gospel. Can, you, can we all agree with that? That certain things that we're seeing going on in this world. And the Lord's heart is he loves those people. And he expects us, if we're in Christ, to love those people. 
I can't think of a greater thing is when you see somebody who was a hardcore heathen and get born again. Doesn't that just thrill you? It's like, wow, look at that. It's like somebody like Paul. We're going through the, the book of Acts. And I, I marvel at that man because he was such an enemy of the things of Christ and became the biggest advocate and spelled it out and, and, and because he, his depth of this. And not only that, he says, I was compelled because I persecuted the church. So can you imagine us, we have these perceived enemies, and that one of those guys repent. You know, somebody, a media personality, say Anderson Cooper or whoever, you know, Don Lemon, repent and become an advocate for Christ. It's like, man, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. And, and here I am now. Can you imagine something like that? Something that's, that's on the scale what the Lord is looking for. That is the fruit he's looking for. That somebody was an enemy of the things of God's kingdom. An enemy that we prayed. Somebody prayed for me to get born again. Somebody prayed for you to get born again. Whether it was a, a grandmother, a mom, a dad, or somebody, an auntie. Somebody prayed for us. That we're here now. And God's... I mean, what a favor to be chosen for God's kingdom. What a, what a great position. And it's, it's a terrible thing to think of somebody who's going to die apart from that positioning. Apart from that. Regardless. It says in verse 29, To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, do also to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Are you feeling uncomfortable yet? <laughs> I mean, this is heavy, man. I mean, to really, really indeed, not just, oh yeah, intellectually, yeah, okay, that's Jesus. But if we could actually do this, put this into action, that is so uncommon, which is the whole message of the gospel. It is uncommon. It's an uncommon act of love. It's an uncommon act of, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Didn't wait for us to clean up our act. While we were enemies, he died for us. And he, he left us that example. Um, verse 33, If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good to those. Do good and lend, hoping nothing in return. The reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Now that we converse that, we, we turn that upon our relationship with God and think, wow, you know, we're, we're, what is the love of God? What is that? You know, is it, does He love me when I'm good? Does He not love me when I'm doing bad? And here it's saying that when we were doing stupid, the Lord loved us at this degree. And it shows that it, it kind of gives us a magnitude of the depth of our love. I, I've said this before. You know, how many of you guys like to watch golf on TV? <laughs> some people do. Some guys, I'll tell you the guys who like to watch golf on TV is the guys who golf. Right? I mean, you, ha you have to have an appreciation for how difficult that is to hit that ball, you know, to go around a dog leg and hook that ball into the place where you're, where you're trying to go. But if you're not a golfer, you're like, whatever, they're just chasing a white ball around a course, right? 
like my, I, I had people, guys who surf. I can watch surfing all day. I used to surf. I don't surf anymore, but I used to. And I just, I can watch it. And, and people who never surf, they go, how can you watch that stuff? It's the same thing over and over and over. No, it's not. Every wave is different. Every way they're addressing it is different. There's, there's intricacies to this, right? And the reason why you have an appreciation for surfing is because you tried to surf and you know how difficult it is. I believe that when we try to put this word into play, when we put it into practice, number one, we get a deeper revelation of what Jesus did for us. When he was on the cross and they're jeering at him, if you would come down from the cross now, I would believe you. And he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. We get an understanding of the depth of his love. That this is how far he was willing to go. He says, though he was, uh, he made him, he, he was equal with God. He didn't count itself robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He came in the form of flesh. That was a demotion right away. That I'm God, I'm enthroned, I got angels glorifying me, but I'll come as a man, and uh, it won't be uh, it won't be revealed to everybody, and I'll go against this resistance to. Pay the penalty in the flesh because the infraction was in the flesh and I'm going to pay the price in the flesh because I play by the rules. And then he confers this gospel message to us and then he says, love your enemies in order to display this properly. And if we try and put that into practice, number one, we understand what Jesus did for us on a deeper level. Number two, I think as we do it, then we have a more kinship with Christ. We have an understanding of this fellowship of suffering is what he talks about. We understand him more. That man, I was only trying to do good and it got thrown back in my face. Hallelujah. You know, right? These are the things that the Lord, that, that's fruit right there. That's fruit that God is looking for. It says um, in verse 36, Therefore be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. It goes on from there. And, um, you know, right now we're living in a time where, you know, it seems like everything's diverging. You know, the two, two paths are diverging. Either you're, you're moving with the Lord this way, or it seems like society is getting darker. It's moving away, where it's kind of just being separated right now. You know, and we do have to be uh, wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. You know, that we, we need to tread this path very, very uh, circumspectly uh, because we don't want to get in the flesh as we're opposing these things that are evil. But we also don't want to be a laydown that just says, oh, yeah, it's all good. It's not all good. There's certain, certain, it says, speak the truth in love. There's certain things that are wrong and we should oppose it and say that's not right and try to uphold a standard. Uh, it's interesting here as it goes on in this chapter, verse 37, it says, Judge not that you shall not be ju ju uh, judged. Condemn not that you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Really powerful words, very true words spoken from the mouth of Jesus written in red in my Bible. And, you know, that, that's like they said, more people know this scripture than they know John 3.16 in this day and age. Don't judge me, bro. You know, don't judge me, bro. <laughs> Who are you to judge me? You know, that's kind of the vernacular of the age. But it goes on. It says, uh, given it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This is called the law of reciprocity. Given it shall be given unto you. So even in this judgment, if we do judge, 
but we do it with mercy, with their benefit, with their welfare in mind, is what God has in mind here. And it's, I'm going to show you that in a second. It says, when he spoke this parable to them, can a blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? This is where the judgment gets dicey right here. Where we're pointing out something, you better be doing this and this, and you're walking with a beam in your in your eye. <laughs> Going around, boom, banging people with this beam. You got a little splinter in your eye. And this is the thing where he's saying. And he's not not acknowledging these things. He's not dis you know disavowing these things. But he says, uh, it says. Uh, when you when yourself see a plank that is in your own eye, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So there's a qualifier there, and it's normally um, in an order to deal with these kind of sensitive topics. A lot of times, what we need to do is come down to the level of I was like that, and the Lord healed me from that. Or I did that, I made that, I sinned in that area, but God did this for me. That we don't come on this ivory tower with platitudes up here. I'm up here, you should be up here with me. But we should come on the level of, this is what Jesus did for me. That's what he's saying. You take that log out of your eye, and then you can see clearly to pull that, do that delicate surgery. You get something in your eye. It's, that's one of the most sensitive places in your body. You ever had something stuck in your eye? I remember when I was making this cross over here like a dummy um, that that was like a piece from a telephone pole that was from when we first lived up in Avalao they had some lumber hanging around I go oh that looks pretty rugged that'll make a nice cross but it was kind of you know didn't have the right look to it so I, go, I don't know what I'm going to do I'm going to get my um, drill bit and put a wire wheel on it and just kind of you know make it a little bit more uh the way that i wanted it to look and i didn't have goggles on man and a piece of that metal from that wire wheel boom it, it broke off the thing it hit me in the eye and all of a sudden i was like oh, i must have a splinter in my eye or something it was just irritated i'm driving into the sun and my eyes is weeping man it's just like oh this is so sore I finally went to the doctor he goes oh yeah you got a piece of metal embedded in your eye and so he he, he put some anesthetic on it and got a needle and dug it out. Your eye is very sensitive. I mean, it, it ruins your whole day when your eye is messed up, you know. Make sure that our eye is on the Lord when we do these things. Make sure that our eye is healthy before we attempt these sorts of things. Amen. Um, it's not that the, the problem is with society that maybe there's not, en not enough love in the world right now to speak the truth in love. To tell somebody, you know, if you can persist in this behavior, it's going to send you to hell. That's really what the heart should be. If you persist in this behavior, think about the eternal consequences. Help us, Lord. You know, it's, it's like, that's what's at stake, really. It's, it's, it's uh, eternity with the Lord, eternity separated from the Lord. And society, we've, we've, we've come to this neutral, tepid temperature right now where there's like, oh, it's all good. You know, just let it go. That's the way it is. There's, you know, um, yeah, people used to believe this and used to apply that to their lives. But I, I guess it's not really applicable because everybody's doing this nowadays. And it's really not. We're supposed to be different. Amen. We're supposed to be the ones who, you know, 
talk about these things. It says, uh, and this is the thing I wanted to get to. It says, verse 43, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs, figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bushes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we're imparting into ourselves, the information, the truth of this word, the desire, the prayer to be more like Christ, is that what's springing up within us? Is there a root of bitterness? Is there self-righteousness? Is there something not akin to the Word of God? Is this an examination of ourselves? Do we examine ourselves first instead of start pointing to everybody else? Well, he ought to do that, or you ought to do that. But the Lord is looking for good fruit in each one of us. And help us, Lord, that that be the case. That we would examine our own hearts first and say, Well, I want to be a good tree that bears good fruit. In the parable of the soils, we see that... You know, the first uh, seeds that were scattered fell on the wayside. It's just, you know, the sower went out to sow the seed. And Jesus gives the uh, understanding of the parable. He says the sower uh, is, is the Lord and the seed is the word of God. So those, the seed is getting cast out there. And the first um, uh, type of, of area where it lands, it's, uh, and the soils represent the heart is the heart of the person. What's the receptivity of this? The first one goes out and it falls on the wayside and it says the birds of the air come down and pick those seeds off before it even has a chance to do anything. The birds are representative of Satan. He comes in and he steals the word before it even has a chance to germinate or do anything. The second soil is the heart that's like kind of curious. You scatter the seed, it falls on the, you know, on the hard soil, and it, 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 you know, maybe you get a, a nice shower, passes by, oh, that was so great, wow, that was exciting, and it grows up, and then all of a sudden there's uh, hard ground underneath there, and it hits the hard ground, and he has no root in himself. It's not dependent on the Lord, but no, no root in himself. And it hits that hard ground, and the sun comes up, and it withers it, and it dies. Second soil. Third soil falls amongst the thorns. Interesting. You know, that we're not picking um, figs from a bramble bush or a thistle. So I was thinking, wow, is this synonymous with this? Where the, the soil, uh, the seed is scattered. This soil is that the... The, the uh, desire for pleasure in this world, the desire for material goods, it falls amongst thorns and it chokes it out and it doesn't produce anything. It's unfruitful because it got veered off. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. I want money. I want this. I want, you know, I want, I want, I want. And that eclipses the desire to be fruitful for God and to do His will. And it says by this... Many people have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I think it's in Second Timothy it says that. Pierced them through. I'm thinking thorns pierced. I wonder if it's, you know, it's kind of in line with this whole thing. Um, so to have our hearts, affections upon the Lord. And there's so many things out there that are like shiny objects that we want to grab. Yes, I want that. Ooh. And then we got us jumping around in here and there. And our love can kind of wane a little bit, you know, with the things of God. So this, is, you know, this parable is to look at this and examine ourselves against this word from the Lord and say, Wow, did I veer off there? Did I do this? Did, is, 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 this is this where I am? I want to make sure that 
I don't end up like the church of Ephesus, where it says, if you don't repent of this love, you left your first love, then he says, I'm going to take your candlestick. And what a place to be at. In studying that for the book of Acts, when Paul was going and he was preaching to these churches, these are physical, actual churches, and apparently they did not repent of this sin because the church in Ephesus is wiped off the map. It's now a Muslim country, and I don't think there's any evidence of that church. Uh, the apostolic church was started in Ephesus, Ephesus that was there. It just does not exist anymore. They didn't repent. They didn't take that heed of the Lord. So these things are written for our admonition or for our betterment that we don't make the same mistake. Uh, verse 44, a tree is known by its own fruit, for men do not gather figs from thorns, and they don't gather uh, grapes from bramble bushes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. You know, there was the first thing that got man into trouble uh, in the garden was all these trees you can eat, all of them. Go over there, go eat whatever. But of this tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat that tree. And right off, it's like, that's the tree we got to go eat from. We got to go eat that. That's the law right there. The law says, don't do this. And immediately the flesh says, I want to do that. And God's grace supersedes that when Jesus won the victory at the cross it says it's not about my performance anymore because if it's about our, our performance we got a problem because we already screwed it up and we'll continue to screw it you know uh, Jeff said something at the Bible study the other night he says wow you know you read the Bible and and you see these these great men of God and you know we see um, like David King David and he screwed up and Saul Solomon he screwed up and um, Moses he screwed up and Abraham you know it's like that ain't my my wife that's my daughter my uh my sister you know and you, you you look at these guys and you're like wow these are the the heroes of the the hall of faith in in the book of hebrews but yet they have their failings and jeff, jeff says man it's just kind of discouraging to me and i go to me that's not discouraging to me that's encouraging because these were guys that god still are listed in the hall of faith and whatever the failing was it was covered by the blood of jesus and even us now, we don't have to carry around that burden of, oh, I screwed this up or I did that because Jesus paid the price. But then this understanding, instead of being a person who's like, I'm rigid and I keep the rules and I do this and I want to, you know, and that's self-righteousness. And that's not what God's looking. He's looking for us to be dependent on his righteousness. And there's a different flow that comes out through that, a different flow that that is the fruit and that sweetness that God is looking for in each one of us. That we defer it to him. It says, yeah, I used to do that. But God's power, the Holy Spirit gave me the power to say no to that. That was killing me. That was leading me astray. And his power came in. It overshadowed that. It was like uh, when I was dead in my sins, Christ died for me. Amen. Um, here's a good scripture that's synonymous with that. Is in Romans 7. Um, Romans 7, it's speaking our relationship to the law and who we are in Christ. It says in chapter 7 of Romans, verse 1, it says, For I, or do you not know, brethren, for I speak as those who know the law, so he's speaking to the Jews, the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For if a woman who has been a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives, 
But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So this is talking about the legal obligation of a covenant of marriage. And it's saying that a husband and wife, you're, you're bound to this agreement as long as the husband is alive. But if the husband dies... It says, so then, while her husband, verse 3, so while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, although she's married to another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now you have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So you can see these two laws are at place, like at a marriage, a marriage covenant. If somebody was married and says, oh, I'm not really feeling this anymore, and gets married to another person, it says, okay, now you're an adulteress because your husband's still alive. And so he's making the comparison here. As long as the Old Testament was in, 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 in function, that if we were separated from that, we were an adulteress. But because Christ died... We have been married to another thing, another covenant, and we're not serving in the oldness of the letter, which is like, don't do these rules, and don't do this, and don't do this. No, we're united to Christ, we're in Christ, we're a partaker of this righteousness now. And so now, we have a new relationship, and it's not in accordance with the letter, but it's with the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law. And the spirit of that law is love. It says in Romans 13, that love does no harm to his neighbor. And all is, all is encompassed within that. And this is the thing that God is looking for in each one of us. This is the fruit, the, the heading, the, the number one thing that God is looking for. It's the law of love, that we flow from that. But true love, not a sappy, oh, it's all good kind of love. No, it's in line with his word. It's in line speaking the truth in love. This is what God is looking for. This is the union that he's looking for. And he's saying that when we line up to that, that we can have confidence in our prayers that when we pray to the Lord, that things are going to happen. That things are going to happen because it says that we're called a friend of God at that point. You know, I was thinking about, it, it was like, uh, it says that the Lord abolished the commandments on the cross. The Ten Commandments written on, engraved in stones in Corinthians, it talks about, He abolished that in His flesh. And now he wrote this, the, the law on our heart, on the fleshly tablets of our heart. And so we're constrained by the dictates of our consciousness of Christ within us, the Holy Spirit within us. That is what constrains us now. It's a different administration, right? And so that's who we are in Christ. And we need to go back to that, go back to that tenderness and say, Lord, help me to feel that tenderness with you. Help me to have that same love that you love people. Help me to overcome my fleshly nature to be this person. Amen? I hope that was helpful and not confusing. Everybody looking at me like, I don't know. <laughs> that's the word of God, man. That's the word of God. I'm not saying that I have attained to this. It's in process. We're all working on this. When, when it says, man, love your enemies. And I'm, I, as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking of Nancy Pelosi. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking of Joe Biden. I'm like, Lord, I'm having a hard time with this stuff. I just want to be honest, man. Right? 
But, but yet, the Lord says, pray for those. Pray for them. Wouldn't that be amazing to see somebody like Nancy Pelosi get a revelation of Christ and, and just repent? Man. I mean, what would happen to this country if that happened, man? You know, I was, I was listening to Alex Jones the other day. And he had this singer on there, and he was on American Idol, and I don't know much about this guy, but it just caught my attention. Um, Jimmy Levy, anybody know him? Anybody watch American Idol? You know Jimmy Levy? Have you seen any of his new music that he's done? But he was talking on, I mean, it made me shame, man. He goes, I got born again. I got baptized a few months ago. And he's, he's like tearing it up, man. His, 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 he did three records recently. And I looked at him, like, eh, it's edgy. But he says it's top of the chart. But he's giving testimony of Jesus Christ. He's going to the people in the music industry and saying, when are you going to start doing something from God? You know this isn't right, what you're doing. And I was like, whoa. In his, in his arena, he says, I've been to the parties, man, where these deals are made, where they go in the back, back room and basically give your soul to the devil. And he says, I saw it, and I walked out. I said, I don't want nothing with this. And he gave his heart to the Lord, and he's causing a stir. And I just heard him speak. I'm like, that's bold. He goes, that is bold. And he said, we're living right now. This is the, this is the infrastructure we're seeing right now of the mark of the beast. All this control that we're seeing. This has nothing to do with a virus. This is all about control. This is all about who you're going to serve right now. We're going to serve Jesus Christ, or we're going to sell out. This is what's going on right now. And it starts in these small things. It starts with these quiet things. It starts with the small decisions that we make that nobody knows about. It says, Lord, I love you more than this. I love you. I'm not going to do that because I love you more than this. It's the things that we abstain from. It's the thing that we give in to do because we want to prove if you love me, do those things that I've commanded you to do. Amen. Amen. This is, I mean, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think, man, how do I prepare this church for what's coming? How do we prepare the church for what's coming? Because it's coming. But this foundation is true. This foundation will not be shaken. This is, this is it. This is plan A, and that's all we got is plan A. So we better do plan A. Amen. Yeah. Let's pray.